Spoonful of Paolo. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Paolo. Today we have a super special episode because I am talking with someone that I've wanted to talk to since launching our web show in 2011, the one and only Rosie O'Donnell. Yes. Yes, I know, it's happening today. Um, she has a new HBO series out that's called I Know This Much Is True. And let me tell you, she is phenomenal in it. So, are you ready? Because I am. Let's go talk with Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Hi, Paolo, how are you? <laughs> um, I'm doing good. Um, let me start by just telling you a sincere thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, when I when we started this web show in 2011, you were one of the three people that I wanted so badly on this show. So here we are. You're on a spoonful of Apollo, and I am forever grateful to you. Really, forever grateful. Well, I'm more than happy to. I remember the hearing something about it years ago, oh, yeah. and then I somebody reached out, and I don't know. But here we are. And I'm happy here we are. You know what this feels like? It feels like to me when you had Barbara Streisand on the Rosie O'Donnell show, and you were so excited. I remember before she came out, you said. You said to every little girl and boy out there, dreams do come true. And honestly, I remember watching that and it's like, here I am, 44 years old, and you're right, dreams do come true, so thank you. Okay. You know, it's funny because everyone says um, they have a Barbara Streisand in their life, but when people say that it's me, I can never believe it because I don't remember my life without her in it. Wow. You know, I remember my mother playing her records and my mother talking about her and whenever my mom was in a good mood, you would hear Barbara Streisand when you came home from school. And then it would be when she was not in such a good mood, you would hear um, Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound <laughs> of Silence, or something like really kind of morose and, and you know, yeah. depressing. So I always looked to Streisand as the happy side of my mother and mm. the, just the, the amazing gift that she is, you yeah. know? But I can never, ever imagine that someone would feel that way about me. It's yeah. very fun. Well, honestly, I mean, I grew up in a large Italian Catholic family and, you know, that little boy coming out, it was a difficult journey. And so your voice, your show, your platform, and always being your authentic self and being you really guided me. So that's why, so take it in. You are my Barbara Streisand, so take it in. Well, okay? I take it in and I thank you very much. You're welcome. How was, how was coming out when you were young in an Italian Catholic it, it was It was a journey. It was, uh, the hardest was my father. I came out to him before Patrick and I got married because um, my husband had taught me that you don't come out um, really for your father, you come out for yourself because once you do that, right. it changes everything. And I remember that conversation I had with my father. We were going to pick up some pasta at this Italian restaurant and my father pulled over and I said, you know, Dad, I have something to tell you. And I, and I said, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but I said the words, I had to say the words, I am gay. And um, right. when I said that, he literally he started crying a little bit and he said, um, you know, we just want you to be happy. And I, from a guy who grew up in a small village in Italy and came here to live his dream, and for him to say that, hey, and then be at our wedding and walk me down the aisle, like in a Episcopal yeah. a church, it was just, that's why I say everyone, it may seem difficult now, but just wait, just wait. And like you say, just find that one person Find one person in your life when you're coming out, and that's all you need is one person. So, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Somebody to stand by you. And, yeah. You know, whether that's a lover or a partner or whether that's a, you know, a teacher at school, as it was for me, as, you know, there were a lot of people in my life that I felt like I could talk to. Now, I didn't really have a traditional structured family. My mom had died when I was very young, and my, my dad had remarried, and um, I remember when I was like 19 or 18, my, my stepmother saying something to me about gay and she had been a nun 
and for 20 years and then she was out and then she had met my dad. But I said to uh, her, well, no, I am gay. And she started to cry. And I said to her, why are you crying? Why are you crying? I'm not upset about this. Why are you upset about it? It's not your life. It's not, you know, and she's like, well, I just want you to have kids. I'm like, I'm totally having kids. You're not going to miss that. I'm going to have kids, but I'm going to be with a woman. I'm sure of it. I've been sure of it since I was little, you know, and the fact that you know it now, I go, it makes me sad that you're crying, truthfully. Yeah, I remember there was a story about you, Rose. I remember, I think you were 17 years old when you said out loud for the first time that you were gay and you were driving, I think you had an AMC Pacer car and you turned off the, the music and you said out loud, you said, I am gay. You know, and you kept saying it over and over and over. I Sometimes I wonder, would that 17-year-old Rosie, you know, would she ever have dreamed of the beautiful family you have, your five kids and your beautiful granddaughter? I wonder, do you think she would ever would imagine where you are today with your beautiful family? My mom, I don't know, or that little girl me. I, I was someone who always had a clear vision of what life could be, what were the possibilities. And when I realized, you know, pretty early on that I was attracted to women, I remember you know, it was the same year as my mother died and a shrink will tell you that this was, you know, uh, me putting feelings onto other women that, but I don't believe that. I just believe it happened to coincide with when I was 10 and, and Lori Shackner, who was in my class, had a sister who was five or six years older and she looked like Streisand in What's Up Doc. She had long hair, like straight like Streisand in that movie. And I just couldn't get over it. And, and whenever Jewish family, whenever I went over to the house, the parents and the sister both kissed me on both cheeks, you know, <laughs> which in the Irish Catholic family, there was not a lot of physical affection. People weren't really excited about showing or saying, I love you. You know, I would go over to Lori's house. And as we were leaving, the mother would say, goodbye, girls, I love you. And I would think, wow, you know, what is that like? So I always dreamed of having a family where you could express your emotions. And I knew I would have a lot of children. It was never a question. You know, a lot of my friends went through, oh, my God, I'm 30. I have to decide now. Do I want kids or not? I was positive, And I knew as soon as I had enough money so that I could afford help to take care of the kids that I would adopt kids with or without a partner. And it was without a partner for the first two. And and then I met Kelly and then we adopted Blake and she had Vivi. So those are the original four. And then we right. have little Dakota, the caboose. Mm, I love Dakota. Yay. <laughs> so adorable. We oh. were watching Hamilton last night. Oh, you, of course you were. Cause I saw your tweet. Yes, you were. <laughs> yeah. I just watch it all the time. I freaking love it. But I watch and she goes, they had cameras in the olden days when they made this country. And she said, you know, brown people weren't allowed to do anything. I don't think they let brown people sing. Oh I'm like, God. you're right, honey. Yeah, they didn't. She's so clever. Look at that. Right, clever at seven years old. That's she's crazy. putting it all together. Well, that's because, you know why? It's because they have a wonderful mother who educates them, who knows you've been through it all and you know it. So you're just, it's, you're just amazing. Um, Rosie, well, thank you, you're welcome. I want to start because, you know, my husband and I, we finished watching I Know This Much Is True, your new HBO series. I just want to tell you, uh, your character, Lisa, you were phenomenal. The show itself is so powerful and deep. Um, I know that the, this was based on a book that you loved reading so much. And I know that you were so excited when your agent called you and said, hey, you know, they want you to come in for the role, you know, your role. Right. Um, yeah. Can you tell me, because I know you say that you were familiar with your character, Lisa, who's a social worker, um, and you were familiar with her job description. But how so? Were you familiar with that? 
Well, this teacher who I um, who took care of me after my mother died, I was in the seventh grade when I met her and I had sort of run away from school because there were four elementary schools that went into one junior high. And at that junior high, the teacher didn't know that my mother had died the year before. How could he know he had all those children? But he said, Roseanne, I want your mother's phone number because you didn't do your homework. And I didn't say anything. And he said, what's your mother's phone number? And I didn't say anything. And then the other kids were like, sort of, you know, like, and I can hear this all around me. And, and I ran away from school and I hid in the woods and the police tried to find me. No one knew where I was. And then I hid in the neighbor's house, wow. right? I went through the back door of the neighbors who weren't home and I stayed in their house until my father ended up calling the house and finding me. But um, the woman who sort of found out who was that kid and why did she do that and what happened? And someone explained to her, oh, her mother had just died and she didn't know how to say it to the teacher. And this woman named Pat Maravell took me into her life and her heart and became a surrogate mother for me. So much so that I'm the godmother to her children. And, and she died uh, years ago, about eight, nine years ago she died of cancer. She had breast cancer and then it reoccurred many years later. But um, she, after teaching, became a social worker and she worked for the Long Island AIDS Project. And I got to see, experience in real life, what it takes to be a social worker, how much open your heart has to be to be accessible to the people you're trying to help. Hmm. And I knew like the, the director, Derek, who I absolutely adored said to me, do you need to do research? Do I need to help you do research? I said, no, I totally know this character and I know this profession. And I don't think this will be uh, difficult for me. And I was just so lucky that he gave me the role because it's very hard to get a dramatic role when you're seen as a comedian, you know? especially it seems for women. So I was lucky in that the uh, Mark Ruffalo's wife saw me on Smilf on Showtime and she was the one who recommended me to Mark. And then Mark told Derek and then I went in for a meeting and then I got the part, so. You were meant for this part, I mean. I think I was. When I read it all those years ago, I thought I could play this. And that was, you know, when I was not 58 years old, this was when I was like, 38 years old, wow. I thought this would be a great part for me if they ever make this movie. And here, 20 years later, wow. there it is. Really, I mean, that scene, that first scene where you come out and you have that, I think it was like 15 pages of dialogue between you and Mark. It was just, and we have to remind, Mark plays two roles. He plays identical twins, uh, uh, Dominic and Thomas. And when you were doing the scene, you know, it was just amazing. When you were done with it, were you like, wow, this is so good. Give me another 15 pages. Like, because we felt you, like, I didn't see Rosie, like Patrick and I had a deep discussion about this. We didn't see Rosie in this. We, we saw your character in this and you gave it all and we felt it and we saw that. So were you pleased with it? Were you like, wow, this was so good. What were you thinking after you were done with it? Well, I, I knew that the, all my scenes were with Mark or Mark and, and Dominic and, and Thomas, either one, but all of them. So I knew Mark Ruffalo through his political work mostly. I knew his acting, of course, but how I have interacted with him before was at, you know, events that we both have this shared kind of uh, point of view politically. Mm. So um, I was very excited to work with him. He's one of our greatest actors, I think. And um, the first day that I shot was that scene. It was that, that was the first day. Oh my God. That was my first day on the set. 
And so I was sitting there and I'm like, how am I going to do this 16 pages? How am I going to do it? And we started and they were on Mark first, which was great, you know, and then they turned around on me and I'm nervous and they're filming. And I said, um, line. And the director gets away from the camera goes, what honey? I said, I said, line. He said, no, we don't do that here. Just, if you can't remember the line, just make something up close. It doesn't matter. Just get as close to the essence of this and bring me anything real and authentic. And that was so freeing for me because I've worked with directors before where if you didn't say the word the instead of the word a, they would cut and go, sorry, it's the tree. It's not a tree. And um, I was like in trouble when that was the word because I'm not a classically trained Shakespearean actress. You know, I'm a stand-up comic who was lucky enough to get into acting. And um, so I was very overwhelmed, but... Working with Mark was like playing, you know, tennis with Andre Agassi at the height of his game or something, or Martina, you know, like, I just felt like get the ball back so that he can hit it, get it back, get it back. Every time he gave me something, I had to hit him back with the same velocity, you know? We saw that, we felt it. I mean, Rosie, you are getting a lot of praise for your work. I mean, like, you, you know, people, critics, there's Emmy buzz. Um, even Oprah Winfrey tweeted last week, she said, our family just finished the final episode of I Know This Much Is True, How Great Were You? Are you able, Rosie, to take in these compliments? Do you, can you Oprah take it in? Oprah wrote that? Yeah, Oprah tweeted you. Did you not see wow. that tweet? You didn't see it? I didn't even see it. You must send me it. Okay, well, I have a, sc I have a screenshot of it because I was going to use Good, it for this interview. I, I will, so I'll, I I'll send it to you. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's so nice. I never saw that. Could, can you, do you take in these compliments of all people are, you know, saying you know, your it's, work? It's, it's been difficult because there were so many accolades and so many actresses that I don't know personally were writing me on my DMs or writing on my texts saying, you know, I'm blown away by your performance. I, you know, some saying, I can't believe you had this in you all this time. And this was the first chance you got for a real role. And, you know, and listen, I feel like there are so many amazingly qualified actresses who could have done that part. And just to be asked to do it was mm. a huge honor. But when, you know, I started getting all these accolades, I was kind of shocked. It started with the director and HBO saying, you know, you were amazing in this, you were amazing in this. And Really, what I was trying to do was to keep up with Mark. Wow. I was just trying to reach him at his level. I'm like, I'm going to focus and all I'm going to do is zoom in on him because he's my only guy that I got to, oh. to work with, you know? Oh, and, so um, good. Yeah, it was really good. And I'm very happy with it. I really hope it leads to something else. Of course, I said to my agent, did any directors call or anything? <laughs> and she goes, it's COVID. Nothing's in production. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so cool. Rosie, my husband put together just some some of your iconic moments, you know, through your through your oh, career. Gosh. Look, honestly, like, do you ever like stop and reflect on all the amazing things like that you have done? I mean, do you take time for yourself and think about this? Like, you know, you're a Tony honoree, you know. You do? My kids have asked me only recently, and my older ones are 17, 20. 22 and 25 so they're old you know and they have asked me like my son Blake will be like mom you know them like we went to a basketball game back pre-covid and um oh my god now I'm gonna forget the the rapper's name this amazing rapper and I can ask my son he'll remember but he uh was was there in the little VIP area at intermission and he went over to Blakey and said do you know your mother's a queen and my son was like, what? He says, you're Rosie's son, right? And I'm standing, I can hear him. And 
he goes, yeah, he goes, you should look up what your mother has done and what she's done for so many people. And your mother's a queen. And I remember my son, like in the car going, how do you even know him? You know, like my kids recently have been, mom, you did a lot. Mm. I'm like, I know I did a lot. And I managed to raise five kids. Yes, It I... wasn't easy, you know, but they're finally interested when they were young. I would say, you want to watch the Flintstones? Mommy's in this. <laughs> yes. You want to watch Tarzan? Mommy's. And they said, we want a real movie. Uh, <laughs> they said that. Yeah, right to my face. We want a real movie. Oh. I didn't know. They're just mom. I'm just mommy to them. You of know? course, of course, of course. Yeah, you're one cool mom. That's all I could say. Um, <laughs> you, you know, on January, early this year, on January 7th, Rosie, you tweeted, you said, anxiety level, how are you coping? And I sent you a private message and I told you because it was a stressful day that day. And I said to you, um, I, you know, I've been seeing a therapist since Trump won. It's been, you know, with all the hatred and evilness, it's been really, really hard. I feel like it's, you know, for, especially if you're a gay kid and, you know, and you have someone who does not mention you, talk about you, help you, like, it's just awful. So I, I ask you, how do you cope with what's happening? And is your anxiety, like, better than it was in January? Because, like, I mean, mine isn't. Well, mine's a little better, seriously, because of the sun. Mm. Because when it started to get, like, Memorial Day, I have a pool here and I can go out and lay in the pool sun and go in the pool and that helps my spirit and my depression and my anxiety so much to just get a couple of hours by myself with the music on and my children in the pool some you know just having such a relaxing time but I will say that from March April and May were very tough months for me you know I I seem to have real um challenges when the world is in turmoil so my first kind of breakdown that I had or breakthrough, if you ask my therapist, was Columbine, April 1999, where I could not believe that I was the mother of small children. And here I was watching children being pulled out of a building covered in blood and guts and shot. It, it couldn't compre I couldn't comprehend it. And I couldn't sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be in my kid's room, like trying to protect them before I'd wake up. Mm. And I'd go, what the hell, you know? So that was when I started on medication was in April of 99. And then thank God I was on that when 9-11 uh, hit and when Katrina hit, oh. like the world catastrophes unnerved me. And so what I'm working on now with my therapist is my anxiety about the oncoming depression of the nation. We're about to face like a depression-like time in our country as soon as this money stops uh, at the end of July and there are millions of people unemployed and millions of people lining up across the country for bread line, for food. I just think we're in for a real catastrophe that's you know worse than we're living right now. And that gives me such tremendous anxiety that I, I you know, I, I have to work on it on a daily basis to yeah. think a couple things. Number one is that we've survived, you know, horrors before, including the depression and World War II. We've, we've survived 9-11. We survived all of these horrors that I didn't think we would survive. We will survive this, mm. but it's going to be so long, I think, till the nation rebuilds itself not only internally, but in terms of respect from other nations. Yeah, I like know. we are, we are, we have fallen so far down and he is the worst person in the world 
to lead a country. Yeah, my family in Italy, they're, they're, they just don't, they don't get it. My relatives, my aunts and my uncles, they're, they, he's on the news every day over there in Europe as well. And they just don't get it how this, how this happened. How did this become this? You know, that it's been shifted so much. Um, the reason why I love you so much is because you're a truth teller. You, you say it how it is. You know, and I remember on The View 2006, at the end, it was November, and you said the truth about who Donald Trump was. And I looked at my husband and I said, see, that takes a lot of guts for somebody in the spotlight, you know, to just really say what it is, you know, and you weren't afraid. How do you- Well, part of, you know, part of what I wanted to say was because the reason that he was forgiving her and giving her a new start was because she had kissed a girl at a bar and the Post took a picture of it and put it on the cover. So he was forgiving her, her gayness. <laughs> And it was not all right with me. And here I was live on a show that's supposed to talk about politics and, and political um, moments in history, or we're, we're just supposed to, we're supposed to address the issues of our time. And when I saw that, I said, well, I'm gonna say something. And I went on Wikipedia and I pulled up 10 facts and I Googled and I was like, what I said in 2006 was available to every news media outlet in 2006, and yet they let him for a decade eviscerate me with, with kind of a freedom to do it. Mm -hmm. He would go on Letterman and call me a degenerate and a fat, ugly you know, woman, and Letterman would laugh and say, you can't say that. He went on every show and did it. And I thought for a, a while, well, the National Organization of Women is going to stand up and say, you can't do this. But no one did. No one did. And he was just with impunity just got away with it, sort of like he's doing now. Everything he does, he gets away with. And it's mind boggling to think why people are afraid of him. What's the worst he can do to you? The worst he can do to you is what he did to me. And guess what? A few bad texts and name calling isn't going to break your soul. Yeah, It really isn't. And you need to stand up for what's right. And those Republican senators who have sold their decency, they have sold their commitment to the country, they have sold their very essence to this horrific devil of a man. Yeah, it's true. I don't know, like my heart starts, even when I say his name, it's just my heart starts beating so fast and I want people to understand, like you say, like it's out there, Google, like that he's filed for bankruptcy like four times his business, you know, like it's out there. We don't have to deny it, we see it, you know? Exactly, and you're, you're forced to, to look at this fact and then it goes away. Here's a fact of what he did, goes away. Here's another fact, goes away. I mean, this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, this was his buddy, man. He was at those parties with underage girls. What do you think happened yes. there? Yes. There's a young girl named Katie Johnson who was afraid to testify because her life was threatened. What happened with Katie Johnson and Donald Trump? She accused Donald Trump of rape. That's who we have in the, whole, in the White House right now. And everyone seems you know, to be finally catching on to just how bad he is. But look what it took, a global pandemic where we were the only country to not adhere to the standards and listen to the experts so that we are now not allowed to go to the EU. Yeah, I know. He used to call other countries shithole countries. Well, that's what he's making the United States. Exactly. Him personally. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. don't even wear a mask. Him or his, the Republicans, they don't even stress out how important it is to wear a mask, follow the CDC guidelines, keep your social distance. I mean, now we see a few of them now, months, months, months later, you know, saying, well, yeah, wear a mask. But, you know, it's just, it's just, 
it's sad, it's heartbreaking because so many people have lost their lives. So my uncle almost passed away from the, from the coronavirus. He was in the hospital for five weeks, you know? And it's like people are suffering, people are dying. And what will it take to wake you up and say enough is enough? enough you know Sadly, it's gonna take more debts and that's yeah. what's coming but i love you i love you for for always speaking the truth and not letting the noise because it does get really loud on that side for you always speaking the truth and say you know what they can say what they're gonna say but you're gonna say the truth and you're gonna put it into the world because you have that platform and you know and that's it so thank you for doing that well thank you i mean i think it's my responsibility with power comes responsibility and not many women have a microphone to the world. And listen, when I was on daily, it was a bigger one than it is now, but I still have the ability to sort of reach people and what I say or do, you know, seems to, to make the press. So um, <laughs> as long as I still have the ability to affect change, I'm gonna try as best I can. Yeah, you can. Okay, so, you know, this is how we're gonna end it because you, you have, really inspired my husband and I like with Broadway like we didn't even know what Broadway was growing up because you know until we started watching your show so just I think it was in March your show came back for one night and you were able to raise I think six hundred thousand um, dollars for Broadway and so you know we, it's a little web show what we have but in honor of you Rosie we want to put it out there we're gonna donate okay six hundred dollars oh. to the Actors Fund just because it's so nice of you. Thank you. Well, we know that they're going through so much and, you know, and so just it's just to help to let people know you're not alone. If you can donate because they're struggling too. I mean, they're not coming back possibly till next January, which it's just I think at least I it, think until least. there's a vaccine that's widespread. Yeah, it's going to be very hard for theater to be um, to be performed. And it's not just the actors and actresses. It's the casting people. Exactly. It's the agents. Production. It's the, costume people all the the grips and everyone who flies the flag like it's it's an entire multi-million people unit you know the there's millions of people who work for the actors fund and and participate with the actors fund and it's the one of the greatest organizations because they actually give you tangible money to help you live mm. if you're a broadway actor and you haven't been able to pay your rent because of covid you apply to them they'll give you the money like, it's, it's a pretty amazing organization. Yeah, they can just go to actorsfund.org. It's so easy. You can make a little, whatever yes. you can to help out. And it's just, I know, I think in this time of need where everyone is struggling right now, if you can, make a little donation. And I don't know, it's just, my dad always says, if you can, even a dollar, give him a dollar because, you know, it makes you feel like, it makes you feel good that you can help someone who really needs it. So, and you yes. taught us well, that, really, you taught us that. So thank you. Yeah, I think that that's so, so important to realize. Like some of my friends, who aren't maybe as philanthropic or don't really, I go, you don't get what you get back. Yeah. I don't think you understand what you get back for doing that and how, you know, the gross excess of my life and success doesn't feel so burdensome when I'm able to share what I've made, you know? And, and um, I wish more people would do that. Yes, it's so true. Oh my God, look, right next to me is your VHS tape. I used to record your show, my husband and I, and look, it's on here, and I, you're right here talking to me, like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I just, come here, Patrick, come here, because I never do this, but we're gonna sign off together, because my husband loves you as much as I do, so this is the first time our show, we're gonna sign off together to tell you how much we love you, Rosie O'Donnell, and that you're one freaking fantastic woman. Seriously, okay? Well, thank you so much. It's so great to finally meet you both, and congratulations. When were you married? We got married in Pasadena, uh, 2015, five years. Uh, five years ago. We just celebrated our five-year wedding anniversary. We've been together for 13 years. 
Well, good for you. You oh. look adorable together. <laughs> oh my God. With all your gay, uh, all your gay clothes. It's yeah. great. See? We have a very gay apartment. Yes, we do. Yeah, we well, do. I do too, just yeah. so you know. All right, Rosie, you truly are the best. And uh, just thank you for everything you do. And tell people how we can end this. Just tell people why they have to get out and go vote in November. Why is it so important? Just end with there that, There has Rosie. never been a more important election. If you want this country back to what it can be and what the founding fathers originated it to be, a place for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all men and women are created equal, that's every skin color, that's every, you know, what we have now is based on, you know, racist ideas that, that were in the Constitution, that are in our framework, and we have to right these wrongs. And now is the time. And to have this man in office is a disgrace to every American. It's a disgrace to our history. It's a disgrace to what our nation stands for or used to stand for. And all we need is to get him out yes. to move forward. So vote in November. Yes. And vote for Biden because boy, oh boy, do we need Trump removed. Yes, we do. Thank you, Rosie. You truly are the best and we love you. And have a wonderful day, okay? Well, thank you. I'm glad I finally got to do it. You're the best. Thank you, Rosie. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on the A Spoonful Apollo podcast. For tons more interviews or the video version of this episode, visit our website, aspoonfulapollo.com or our YouTube channel. I'm Paolo Presta, and I hope you always remember to dream big. Dream big. Spoonful Apollo. <laughs> <laughs>